It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Over the weekend, we have some new reason to speculate that Andy Dalton might, in fact, be worth more on the open trade market than we initially thought. We're going to talk about why that is the case, some comments from Charlie Weiss, a report from Mike Freeman, who cites Bill Belichick believing some things about Andy Dalton. We're going to talk about Well, Bill Belichick has been wrong before, but he's generally a pretty smart guy, so we'll take a look at that claim. Then we have Mock Draft Monday. We hear that boards are shaking up on the Mock Draft simulators of the world, so we're going to have some fun, hopefully, with a more realistic Mock Draft Monday, I would say, Joe, because every Mock Draft I see on social media in the last couple weeks has, seems like, five, six day one, day two players that you're getting down in the sixth round and seventh round. So hopefully we see a little bit less of that and we start to get a little bit of a better representation of reality so people don't get their hopes up too high. Well, yeah, we're not here for reality. We're here to have the best draft possible. No, I I just hope that, you know, as we get closer, we're going to get, we're in one of those transition phases of those mock draft machines getting updated. Like after the senior bowl, we're drafting the same guys. Everyone was drafting the same people, right? And then, that adjusted, those boards adjusted. Now after the combine, everyone out there is going to draft the same guys because they're the hot names and they're, you know, now represented value for if a guy was supposed to go in the third round, maybe he's a second rounder after a good workout. So those will get adjusted and we will adjust as they adjust. But we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. We're going to start with the news and the news today centers on Andy Dalton. Charlie Weiss, Bill Belichick, both in the news over the weekend, late last week, talking about hidden potential in Andy Dalton, talking about he's the best fit for New England if Tom Brady isn't back. Both of those are pretty interesting points because Weiss has familiarity, obviously, from his time in New England. Bill Belichick, if this is to be trusted, which it sounds like it is, people are saying that New England's interest in Dalton is real, according to that Mike Freeman report, things could get pretty interesting for the Bengals. It could be that they don't value Dalton as a starter, And Charlie Weiss made this point. What if he just is in consideration to be a backup plan in case Jarrett Stidham doesn't work out? We don't know what New England thinks of Jarrett Stidham. Still, the fact that both these guys are talking about Dalton leads more credence to that idea that he might get more than that fourth round pick we speculated at first. 
And I guess that means we have to care about something that I wasn't sure we'd have to even talk about too much at all. And that's where does Tom Brady go and when does he go somewhere? Right. Because that's the first chip to fall. Obviously, if he heads back to New England, this is nothing. We end up not talking about it at all as Dalton is unlikely to land with the Patriots if they keep Brady. But if that first chip falls and Brady moves on and goes elsewhere, yeah, I could see that scenario where they want a veteran quarterback. If they do like Jarrett Stidham the way the reports seem to indicate, it would be a situation. Dalton's probably going to go to the situation wherever he lands. But it's going to be a situation where he's got to compete but be the favorite to win that job over a guy that is um, unprepared to take over for the starting job or really hasn't handled it like Mitch Trubisky in Chicago has. So I think either way, Dalton's going to go into that situation. I think the more interesting comments are that both the report and Charlie Weiss said that they feel there's more to Dalton, but he was held back by the Bengals organization. And you look at Dalton's performance in Cincinnati over the years, And it's true that he has had a lot of coordinators come and go, especially in the last few years. You go back to the Hugh Jackson days, and he was really good. He was a top 15, top 12 production quarterback. And in 2015, the Bengals actually have one of the better offenses in the league. It was a top four or five offense. If you go by uh, DVOA, it was the best offense in the league for, for a lot of that season. So obviously Dalton is capable of carrying or or being carried by a good system with good skill around him that that suits his skill set to very high levels. We've seen that. But to say the Bengals held him back is is I mean they they've put skilled players around him. For a lot of his career he had a great offensive line around him and there have been injuries. Charlie Weiss made this point actually. Every time you look at the Bengals late in the year it seems like their entire team is injured. But the fact remains he was never the guy that was elevating everything around him. And if he goes and becomes that, or if he goes and leads another top 10 offense, great. Good for him. I just, I'm glad that this speculation is happening because it leads to better compensation for the Bengals. That is true. And also on the injury front, two of his best years were cut, cut short because of his own injuries, right? 2015, 2018, uh, I felt were his two best years on film. But speaking of the film, I, I don't think it's hard for, someone to go and watch it and say, once you allowed that offensive line to deteriorate in Cincinnati, it had a direct effect on Andy Dalton's ability to be himself and do what he does best. So you can look at that and say, yeah, what have the last three years actually been for him? Can we actually take them as a sign that he is declining into what he's going to be for the final few years of his career? Or can you look at the tape and say, you know, the guy just misses throws. He doesn't see uh, reads post-snap the way he should of a guy who's a nine-year starter. And also, he in today's NFL, you have to make plays off script and extend plays. And that's really where Dalton struggles the most. And really, is he a difference maker if he can't do that going forward? So I love that they're thinking highly of him. I just think they're kind of misplaced there. Well, it could be just this old-school thinking of Tom Brady's been their quarterback for, what, 20 years? When's the last time they had to think about this is what we want our quarterback to do in the NFL. And Tom Brady, while he has always been very adept at managing the pocket and and getting the ball out on time in the right places, he's never been a huge off script guy. So maybe in that sense, they see Dalton and they think, oh, he can do a lot of the same things as Brady. Maybe not at the same level, maybe with less accuracy than Tom Brady developed over his career. But maybe within the structure, they're looking at a guy that can come in and they don't necessarily miss a big step. 
And I always go back and think of that comment about Tom Brady speaking on Aaron Rodgers, that if they had the institutional knowledge that the Patriots do, Aaron Rodgers would be the best quarterback of all time. He'd blow him away and he'd throw 60 touchdowns a year. I think that part would help Andy Dalton a lot. And I think that's totally spot on, right? If, if Andy Dalton doesn't have to go off script, and Dante Skarnecchia has retired again for now. So, I mean, he was at the combine. But uh, if, if that offensive line isn't as dominant as it was, will things go well for Andy? Would things go well for Tom Brady if, if he had to play, you know, if you switch, just switch Tom Brady and Andy Dalton for the last 10 years? Yeah, Tom Brady's going to make the Bengals a lot better, but I, I mean, Andy Dalton's probably performing, producing better too, right? Because he's the Patriot system in a lot of ways is is just perfect for for Dalton's strengths and weaknesses. So I think that Charlie Weiss makes a good point there. But what, we're not a Patriots podcast. We're, we're a Bengals podcast. We have a mock draft to do here, Joe. And we're going to hope. We're going to say, what if we get the Patriots, you know, second round pick? What if we get the Patriots third round pick? We'll, we'll talk about what's going on at that point, because really that would just kind of be giving the Bengals nearly back-to-back picks uh, at the beginning and end of rounds. But we'll get into that mock draft here in just a minute. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Mock Draft Monday is here, and it's our—it's really our first mock draft we're doing after the Combine because we did one right after, technically, and that was—we didn't, didn't see the effects of the Combine pushing guys up or down the board uh, based on their performances at the time. So this is the first real one for us. And, of course, I think, well, obviously, Joe Burrow, number one, if, if there's any effect of the combine, it's that we don't have to probably discuss anymore for Joe Burrow. I still want to see him test eventually. I want to know what he runs, what he, you know, how athletic he actually is. Does he? I think he'd run a four seven five or so, and maybe he will at his pro day. But we're gonna go five rounds today because the first pick is spoken for. I mean, we don't have to discuss it too much. It's more of who goes between number two and number thirty two that affects our decisions at thirty one, which in some of these you end up with a clear-cut number one first-round grade guy there, and you say, easy choice, we got him, take him, Zach Bond, whoever it is. Uh, in the situation we have now, so we've already taken Joe Burrow at number one. We've allowed the first round to simulate. We're sitting there at 33, and there is not a clear-cut guy at pick 33. So what do we do, Jake? Well, we look at the best players that we have on our evaluations which are very fledgling at the moment they're not fleshed out if if this is in a month we'd sit here and we would look at our top 100 and we just pick a guy yeah. out of a couple of guys and i imagine the guys we would be discussing would be denzel mims trayvon diggs mm-hmm. maybe t higgins depending on how he tests josh jones for sure in the conversation aj terrell from clemson for sure in the conversation Probably a little bit of discussion for Justin Jefferson and probably a little bit of conversation for Yetter Gross Matos. Yep. 
I'm with you on all those. If I were to ha- to make a pick, and I really like Denzel Mims, but they're probably if this if I'm trying to rank my board, I do like Diggs uh, at corner. I think the g- number one guy that would be on my board is Josh Jones, the tackle from Houston, and I think he could play guard right away. Say Bobby Hart is still your right tackle, uh, and Jones is athletic. He was really good, especially at the Senior Bowl. I really liked him, but. Some say he may be a guard, and maybe a guard early on. So if Bobby Hart's still your right tackle for 2020, you find a way to play Josh Jones at one of the guard positions and get him ready to slide over to tackle, similar to how they did with Andrew Whitworth. Uh, and maybe that's 2021, 22, where he slides out to tackle and plays there, or an injury happens, whatever. But I think this gives you flexibility. It protects Joe Burrow. It protects your investment of the number one pick. So I have no problem going O-line. Someone asked me today on Twitter, what are the chances? Would you bet on them going O-line in the second or third round? And I said, I said no, I would not. Only because it tends to fall this way, where there's a guy that I still like at 33. And maybe if they get an extra pick for Andy Dalton, that's where we see a pick come in on the offensive line. But in this scenario, I think it makes it easy. Yeah, I agree. I think that Josh Jones is a pretty clear-cut first-round tackle. In this particular mock draft, we see that Seattle has done their usual weird Seattle thing, and they've picked Lucas Niang in the first round. Usually Seattle's weird Seattle thing is a player that we've never heard of. Yeah. Uh, but this time it's a player we've heard of just a little bit earlier than you would expect him to go. I think that this would be a bit of a hard discussion between Jones, the corners, and and Mims. And I think to some degree Winfield, but I'm on board with taking Josh Jones here because – you think that there's going to be a receiver there that you still like if you want to go receiver in the third round, or you might have to go away from defense. So if you do take go away to defense, I mean, so if you do take Josh Jones here, you might be saying, I'm not taking one of the top receivers in this class. And this is an inflection point in that, in that scenario, but you might also have a pick at the end of the second round. So let's run with Josh Jones here and see how this scenario plays out. Because like you said, Joe, he can go in, play right away at one of your guard positions, which is in the air. At the very least, he's competing for one of those guard positions. And then you get a, a potential right tackle of the future in Josh Jones. And and if he works out, then you have Josh Jones, Jonah Williams, and you're, you're feeling good about it. So Denzel Mims, a guy we would have considered at 33, um, still doesn't go high in this mock is in this scenario right here he goes 62 to the green bay packers Bengals pick 65 so just in front of them is a guy that uh you know i think we're starting to to target with that pick i also saw saw terrell lewis the edge player from alabama go right before the Bengals pick in the third round which is someone that jeff hobson keeps mentioning for pick 33 yeah they really liked him at the senior role malik harrison this is the earliest i've seen him get drafted He's here at pick 46 to Denver. That That is very early, I think, for him. And then we're seeing the combine effect, I think, for Jimmy Chen here in the second round going to the Bears. Southern Illinois stays in Illinois, goes up to Northern Illinois. Duggar also. Yep, Kyle, Kyle Duggar, Duggar goes right after Chen. People really like Ben Barch's smoothie recipe, I guess, and, and he goes here mm-hmm. in the mid-second round. And going on down the list, you know what I'm noticing oh. here, Joe? What's that? Is that New England doesn't have a second round pick. Right. I I said this. And it's that's it, the weird part about the trade scenarios that you keep getting or hearing is that like the, the Bears don't have a first and a third. The Patriots don't have a second. 
Uh, where are these picks coming from to get Andy Dalton, right? It, this is going to be something that's going to be either it's going to be a third rounder from the Patriots, which fine, or the Bears are going to have to give up one of their two second round picks. They don't have a first or a third, so how are they going to value those two second round picks? I don't. That's the hard part for me to swallow a little bit of where the value is actually lining up or where the picks are actually available to give. Maybe it's a future pick. So what if yeah. the Patriots gave you a third and a future third? Sure, of course. Yep. Yeah, I would take a third this year and next year. Of but course. that would be, yeah, that'd be high value. I mean, that'd be, what? how's that work? If you give up uh, next year's pick, it's usually like a round less in value of what you, so it's like giving up a fourth rounder, a third and a fourth. That's a lot for Andy Dalton, probably. Yeah. But yeah, maybe it's a, maybe it's a pick based on his performance, right? So you get a third plus if he goes to the playoffs, starts all 16 games, throws for 4,000 yards, you get a third. Sure. That'd be Because that'd be worth it. Yeah. I mean, For I that. think that a New England offense with Andy Dalton is going to lean heavily on Sony Michelle in the running game. But, but let's not go too far down the trade rabbit hole. We already talked about it a lot. I just, I didn't know that the Patriots didn't have a second round pick. I'm just noticing this for the first time. I knew the Bears situation. Uh, but for the Patriots, you're right. It, it could be hard to make the, the value line up. Anyway, we're here on the board in the third round, and I was speculating that we might miss on receiver altogether, and lo and behold, T. Higgins sits atop this particular board, and uh, do, do you just pick T. Higgins? I mean, we don't know his testing yet, but I you, you turn on the tape for T. Higgins, and you say if he's there in the third round, and we did this, I think, last week. You're going to be pretty happy about it. It was two weeks ago we ended up with Higgins on the third. Yeah, but I'm looking at the receivers where they went. I mean, Justin Jefferson doesn't go to pick after 50. Denzel Mims after 60. I see Brandon Ayuk there at 59. And we talked about the strength of this class. Do teams wait because of it? Is it clear BPA so you t- you're taking receiver or more teams are taking receiver high? Or do they see it and go, there's still guys there I like in rounds two, round three, round four, round five, and they bypass it and go to the next position. I, you know, you could say it fall either way. You still look at the receiver board. Donovan Peoples-Jones tested great. A lot of people like Van Jefferson and Brian Edwards. Uh, Colin Johnson and Clay, Chase Claypool, excuse me, both two big receivers. Michael Pittman, another big receiver, all still there and projected to go in rounds three, four, and five. And Vance Meek really likes Tyler Johnson. I, I would hesitate on T Higgins only because of of the way Michael Pittman and Chase Claypool tested and I think those could be outside guys of the future for you but at the same time T Higgins models his game after AJ Green and and this is the argument in why we took him a couple weeks ago and for the sake of doing something different we can talk about the other options here but I, I would be pretty tempted by T Higgins at the top of the third round still so the other options, just so we're clear, Jalen Johnson, corner of Utah, I'd consider. Cameron Dantzler, cornerback, Mississippi State. Is this now good value for him despite running a 4-6? We'll have to see how he rectifies that as, at his pro day. Troy Pride Jr., corner of Notre Dame, I think keeps sliding there. I wouldn't be surprised if that is the pick in round three, calling it you know in March here that I, I really like where that keeps lining up where his value is. Uh, so I, I could see corner being the pick here in a lot of ways. And then you have to start to say, well, when do they get this linebacker? What does the linebacker board look like? Can they still get a guy in the fourth round or so? And that's what we're looking at. Jordan Brooks of Texas Tech, Troy Dye, Evan Weaver. And then I love Akeem Davis-Gaither, and he's still going to be there because he couldn't test because he needs surgery. He did meet with the Bengals. Is that the fourth round target type of guy? For me, that's like Telvin Smith who went in the fifth round. I'd love to take him in that range. 
Yeah, I think that that's a, a round later. If Malik Harrison was here, I think we're talking about Malik Harrison pretty seriously in the third round. Mm-hmm. He, for for whatever reason, people started catching on to him late, and he's moving and up. He's going up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to be a solid second rounder. But if he is there in the third round, or if they get another pick and they want to move back up and and really go target a linebacker because maybe they miss on Joe Schobert or whoever they want to go get in free agency, then you you could see them be a little bit more aggressive for linebacker, but only if they have the draft capital. So looking at the available linebackers, like you said, Joe, you get Troy Dye here would be the guy you probably consider Jordan Brooks. If you think that he can, you know, translate some of that athleticism into a little bit of pass defense at some point in his life. But I would be tempted to wait and see, can I get Willie Gay Jr. who had an amazing combine and uh, apparently was what well, teams were pretty comfortable with him in, in combine meetings. Or Akeem Davis Gaither, mm-hmm. like you said. So I, I'm not looking at linebacker here, which means we're probably looking at corner. Which if it's not T Higgins, and I'm totally cool with that. Right. And then it's the question of which which corner do you want? And I think I'm with you. Troy Pride is is a guy that we like a lot, uh, and a guy that they had a lot of work with at the combine. Of course, Denzel Mims. One of his highlights from the Senior Bowl is beating Troy Pride on a vertical route. Yeah, so say our board is sitting, we would probably have T. Higgins a little bit higher, right? We might have him in the 30 to 40 range. They have him ranked 47th on the draft network. Fair, not not too bad. Um, Troy Pride, they have at 69. I could see him being in the 50 to 65 range for me, so a little bit higher. So would I be bypassing a clear BPA in this situation at a at a situation where we think wide receiver is such a uh, is at least a big enough need to consider it at this point? Um, I don't think it's. Uh, too bad to bypass T Higgins here because I do think we're going to come back in round four and five and have a wide receiver still near the top of the BPA board. But I don't feel the same at corner. I think the corner will start to drop off after this round. And in a great corner class, we're looking at the same situation. There's going to be a wide receiver in a corner at the top of the board in rounds two, three, and four, more than likely in real life. So I'm cool taking Troy Pride here for the sake of doing something different, but because I think logically it makes sense. Yeah, this is a real Bengals pick, I think, because, you know, you could look at PFF's big board, for example. They have Jalen Johnson 28th on their big board. And and uh, who's the next guy? Cameron, Cameron Dantzler. They have him at 37, even after the 4-6 at the Combine. So those would be guys that I think the NFL is probably considering. But let's go Troy Pride here, let the third draft run, and we'll be back for the fourth and fifth rounds in just a minute. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we're on the clock, pick 97, round four. We've already gone Joe Burrow, then we come back, take Josh Jones, offensive lineman out of Houston. And then in the third round, we went with corner Troy Pride out of Notre Dame, bypass T. Higgins because we felt the receiver position would still be strong going into round four. We didn't take a linebacker because we felt that would still be strong going into round four. There was a little bit of run at corner, a little bit at linebacker in round three. So now it's making our situation look a little bit different as we approach this pick number 97. We may have to reach for a need. 
lot of the, a lot of the tight ends started to go finally. Not that I I wouldn't target a tight end, but I would be interested in one, especially round four and beyond. I'd start to look at running back in this situation. I think round four starts to open up possibilities, but we haven't addressed linebacker yet, and I think it has to happen soon. There's a couple guys left on the board that are really athletic that I think if we don't get one of those two, then we really fucked ourselves in this draft. Yeah, I think that just talking about Willie Gay Jr. and Akeem Davis-Gaither, I'm not looking at other positions. We did look at wide receiver as well to see what we would be missing there, but this is kind of last chance saloon for for linebacker in the draft. If you miss on one of these guys and you have a choice of Willie Gay Jr. and Akeem Davis-Gaither at the top of the fourth round, they're not going to be there in the fifth round. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, a wide receiver, this means that you're not going to get, you know, the Chase Claypool. You're not going to get Michael Pittman. So this is where you're really thinking, man, I hope they get a third round pick for Andy Dalton. And and then you can actually get both of these positions addressed or two positions, whatever it is, because this is there's a lot of depth at this part of the draft. And we talked about this. I feel like for every mock draft Monday we've done where we get in this spot and you're like, man, if we just have one more pick in this part of the draft, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm with you. And it it almost becomes a necessity for them to get at least a third rounder. Honestly, I, the way it falls out, I take a fourth for Andy Dalton because there's still I would love to make two picks here as long as they're top ten picks. Uh, but getting a third for Dalton really, really helps you and frees up your draft. And plus, obviously, free agency will do that. Maybe we don't actually need a linebacker that bad. Maybe we don't actually need a guard that bad. Uh, but point being is we still took the guys I have. Even if you signed a veteran guard, I'd still draft Josh Jones because he would replace Bobby Hart, right? So I'd still love to have another pick put in there, slotted in there, because for the immediate needs they have, they have just as many needs for 2021 and 22 as this roster. You go go to like overthecap.com, click on who they have under contract for 2021, and it looks really bleak. This Young talent on this roster is uh, desperately needed, so getting that extra pick and filling these holes is something uh, that the Bengals should be desperately trying to acquire. I I do think that if they signed a Graham Glasgow, I I would not be picking an offensive lineman until day day three. Even Josh Jones, he'd still be probably BPA on our board. You'd still want to upgrade over Bobby Hart. Let's go back to that pick real quick and see what the options were. Okay. It was, if you remember, we could have taken corner, Trevon Diggs, we could have went Denzel Mims, who were the guys we were pretty much considering. Now, so, receiver would have been great because there's, there's no receiver you can sign to fill yeah. the need they have at receiver. I think Rager would be pretty interesting in addition to Mims, and I think Antoine Winfield would be really yeah. interesting there. I was surprised to see Malik Harrison go in in the second round, though. And I'm not completely off Chin or Duggar. Now, I hate that the Bengals would go small school because it seems like that doesn't typically work for them, uh, but... To get a freak like that, a chess piece on the defensive side, sounds great if you have an, if you feel like you're in bonus territory with that pick. Yeah. Regardless, in this draft, and next week we, we will incorporate maybe some free agency stuff, but, but this week yep. we're not, and we've picked Josh Jones, and we've picked Troy Pride, and, and now we need a linebacker probably more urgently than we need a wide receiver, but this is what I hate about what the Bengals have done in some of these position-strong drafts, and we're going to miss all of the strength of this receiver class. Yeah, it's not ideal. You don't want to come – they did this – I remember, what, what draft was it? 2014, right? It was a really strong receiver class, and I they came over with nobody. 
And I remember saying at the time, what a big mistake that was. And then when they lost Jones and Sanu in free agency, they had nobody to replace them. And it forced them to sign LaFell. And it forced them to draft Tyler Boyd. And then Boyd's worked out. But then it forced them to draft John Ross. And like it has a cascading effect when you don't take advantage of a super strong draft class that's just presenting you with an opportunity to have a good player. Well, on the other hand, though, that's kind of when things started going to hell in a handbasket for the Bengals drafting, and they started missing. For PFF just did this piece. The Bengals were one of the best drafting teams in the NFL from 2006 to 2015. Yeah. And in the last three years, they've been one of the worst. Because, you, you know, you miss... Actually, I think that doesn't even include... Yeah, that doesn't even include the Abwehi and Fisher draft, where they get right. nothing out of those picks. This is and because... Even 2014. Yeah. Because that was Denard, they come back, take Hill, they come back, take Will Clark, Russell Bodine. I mean, at that point, you're like, whoa, what do we, you guys are targeting positions. You're not drafting BPA. Yeah. You felt it at the time. Yeah. And, and, and in the last few years, the reason the Bengals aren't getting the value out of their drafts is because guys are missing time with injury. John Ross hardly played. Uh, even, you know, Will Jackson missing his first year. They've had this string of first-round picks that just haven't played because they've been hurt. And that's unlucky. Uh to a pretty large degree, uh, outside of John Ross, because yeah. you, you know what you're getting there. But um, I, So who are we on here, Joe? You, you really like Akeem Davis-Gaither. Does Willie Gay move the needle for you, though, after that combine? Oh, he definitely does. I think with Gay, the thing that I like better about him than Davis-Gaither is he's got a little more power to him. When he hits, he brings all that weight with him, where Gaither's more of a wrap-up guy. Gay's willing to take on blockers a little bit more. He's more of the physical downhill run. He, when you play at Mississippi State, you're going to have to be physical, rather than keeping Davis Gaither his play style is more make the lineman miss and wrap up, which I'm cool with. You can, we need either one of those. Can I have both of them? You know, I wouldn't be against that at all. Uh, I think for the sake of doing something different, because we've drafted Akeem Davis Gaither, let's go Willie Gay and say we get a guy that's a little bit, maybe has a screw loose a little, and is a, is a little bit rough around the edges, but we, the defense could probably use a little bit of identity and nastiness after losing Burfecht. So here's the thing with Willie Gay. His suspension was academic-related. He was suspended for eight games, academic-related suspension. Wasn't even a starter. He only played 177 snaps in 2019. Is he, is he really a guy that NFL teams are going to value in the fourth round? Probably because of the way he ran. Yes, but is talent-wise and production and tape he was also suspended wasn't he or got trouble he had to, he was ejected from for fighting in one game wasn't he oh was he okay that might be i may be thinking of someone else but i thought it was willie gay jr uh and that was in a game earlier this year but i'm picking i akeem, do think i'm picking akeem akeem davis gaither i talked myself out of willie gay so i could i couldn't i couldn't convince you on, on willie gay <laughs> that's it, cool with me i you know i love gaither i think he's i think he's um What's his name in Jacksonville out of Florida State? I said him earlier. Yeah, uh, Tevin Coleman. Tevin, no. What? Tevin no, Coleman. Uh, Tevin. Alvin Smith. Tevin Smith. Tevin. Tevin Coleman. <laughs> oh, man. We're recording early in the morning. Today was a spring forward day for, for those of you that, that don't know. Uh, anyway. They're um, an hour behind if they don't know. <laughs> our, our, uh, late for work. Our hunch was correct here. Michael Pittman's gone. And and Willie Gay Jr. was picked at the end of the fourth round. But I think that means we can pick Chase Claypool here if we want to. You know what? It's worth it. We're in round five at this point. Pick 129. Chase, Chase Claypool, his tape does not match his testing. I even think at the Senior Bowl. I even think when you put on the tape, he looks like a tight end. He's a move 
tight end. If anything, he's a replacement for Tyler Eifert more than he's an addition to this wide receiver group. Um, I like Chase Claypool. The way he tested makes you think, well, maybe Notre Dame didn't use him to the extent they should have. I'm cool with this pick at this point. I mean, it's a developmental pick, but in the fifth round, you're really comfortable with that. If if you oh, yeah. look at the other options here, maybe you go Zach Moss because you really like Zach Moss. You keep talking about how funny he is. I, I, I'm not watching running backs this year, so I couldn't tell you. I need Zach Moss. I need a running back for my um, shadow team. So I've seen some clips. So I tried to pay attention to it just a little bit. Uh, Zach Moss is fun. And I think, you know, we're talking fifth round here. I'm not against drafting a running back in the fifth, sixth, seventh round at all. So yeah. I think, you know, considering the situation, even though I fully expect Joe Mixon to be extended, getting another guy that can help and help in the passing game is, there's, I have no problem with that. I don't think, I don't think that the, anybody has a problem with a running back in the late rounds. Other guys to consider here, uh, if Vance Meek is listening, and I think he usually does, he would be pounding the table, probably not letting us even talk until we picked Tyler Johnson here. He's available for Minnesota. The reason that we're not, and Vance, we talked about this on Twitter, is that he he's just he's a slot guy. He's he's in the slot 80% of the time at Minnesota. All of his production is coming from the slot. And the Bengals are going to have A.J. Green in the slot more. And so they really do need that outside guy. And right now the best fit for that on the team is Auden Tate, and he's not scaring anybody vertically. Although... I really like the idea of Auden Tate and back shoulder throws with Joe Burrow. That That oh, is enticing. And that's why they kind of need John Ross still. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing that people don't understand about, like you're saying, you're alluding to with the receiver position. Last time we saw A.J. Green, he most of his production was from the slot. The Bengals were almost using two slot receivers. You watch the Rams, they're all, all slot guys. Cooks is always in the slot. Robert Woods is always in the slot. Um, the, re- the other receiver, white guy, what's his name? Cooper Cup, thank you. Always in the slot. They mix it around. They keep the the splits tight. It's like they're all slot receivers. The Bengals, if they're going to do that more, and they did last year even, I think we're going to see A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd a lot in the slot, which means you need that X receiver. You need that guy that you can isolate on the outside, have him run every route and scare defenses and stretch it. Brandon Cooks, for a lot of times, for the Rams, will get into that spot and do that. That's where John Ross is needed. That's where Auden Tate is needed, even though he doesn't have the speed. He's still got deep. That's where I'd want to get another receiver in this draft. T. Higgins would have been great for that role. Uh, but looking at it, I don't think Chase Claypool is that guy. He didn't do that at Notre Dame. We're, we're hoping he could evolve into that. Yeah, he could do it. He has. He, he tested great. He's huge. And he, he's a mismatch problem, right? The same way that in the preseason I was pounding the table for Auden Tate because of his size, right. because of his ability to box guys out and, and be a basketball player out there. It's, it's, Chase Claypool has that size. And he has crazy speed for that size. So we'll pick, we'll pick Chase Claypool here. Other guys you might consider, Logan Stenberg, I know some people like from Kentucky. Uh, K.J. Hill didn't run great, but he is a great route runner. But again, another slot guy. At this point in the draft, I don't think you're really getting an outside guy unless you want to roll the dice on Antonio Gandy-Golden, where, where you no, don't anything, I, know as much. I like Devin Duvernay. Yeah, but maybe he's a sixth rounder in this draft. Uh, you know, so if you bypassed it and came back in the sixth round and went Duvernay, that'd be you know a great, uh, that'd be a, a pro gamer move if you were able to pull that off. But I'll go with Chase Claypool and say I hope he's Vincent Jackson. You know, you develop him, and that's what I think you're looking for—a big guy with speed that you can stretch the field with. Let him be, um, a, you know, like a contested catch guy, play action. You're running him on these posts. You're letting him go up over safeties and make plays. That's—I don't know if the Bengals have that 
with Auden Tate because of the speed factor of it. He can do that other part, but getting deep, having speed is a big factor in playing receiver, even though as much as we all love Auden Tate. And another guy that I was going to mention and didn't before I picked Chase Claypool and clicked the button, uh, Josiah DeGura. Sure. 132 to New York Giants. Man, he tested well. The other guy I want to shout out, Khalil Davis, defensive mm. tackle Nebraska. I mean, I don't be surprised if he's round three, round four, gets in the mix with Neville Gallimore uh, because you don't test like that. And those guys who test like that typically end up being good players. Uh, and he's in an elite group just based off the combine. And so we come out of this draft with nothing on the defensive line. And that means that next year, I mean, maybe in the in the sixth, seventh round, maybe with an extra pick, they can address it. But that means next year, you, it, it, even mean, if all these guys hit, you, you're assuming all these guys hit, now you definitely need to go address your defensive line in the 2021 draft. So we end up with a total haul of Joe Burrow, of course, number one, Josh Jones, right tackle of the future, number two, Troy Pride, who should get some immediate playing time, I imagine even with Darius Phillips out there. And eventually, you know, he if, if William Jackson doesn't get to get it together, doesn't want to come back, at least you've got somebody that can play outside as well. And then Akeem Davis-Gaither in the fourth round, which I think we would be ecstatic about. I think that would be a great oh, yeah. hit in the fourth round. And then Chase Claypool to give us a little bit of a gadget, a huge guy with some speed in the fourth round. So if you come away with this draft, I think this is a solid B plus and, and getting close to an A minus grade because I, I love the first two picks and Burrow and Jones. I think I think Jones is value and at a premium position at tackle. Um, I like Troy Pride. I think he slots perfectly for third round target. And then I think you're getting great value on Akeem Davis Gaither because I don't be surprised if he goes round three. Chase Claypool, same thing, and you're getting him round five. So you're, you're going value picks in strong classes at wide receiver in the fifth round. I think that's best case scenario for bypassing them. We were almost punished for bypassing T. Higgins in round three. Come back to get Claypool in round five makes up for it. And and I don't think Claypool is going to be there in round five in the real world. Uh, I think that even even though his tape doesn't support big, fast outside receiver, somebody's going to see that and think we can make him that. I mean, on the other hand, Miles Boykin last year, where did he end up going? Didn't he go in the fifth? Fourth. Round? Fourth. Okay. I thought it was either way, but yeah, you're right. So. Also, a Notre Dame guy. Um, what what makes this an A for you? What what pushes it over the hump? I think a value pick in round three. Yeah, and that wasn't a value pick. It was a correctly slotted pick. I think for Troy Pride at round three. I think if you, somehow you're still there, and if that was if that was T Higgins, those first three picks push that into an A. Coming back with Akeem Davis gave Gaither in the fourth, and then maybe we go Khalil Davis in the fifth. Yeah. Or you know, maybe you don't get a corner. That would suck. I'd like to have that extra pick, as we keep saying. But that to me is value, value, value all all through one through five, and good shots, good swings. And in two weeks when we do this, the Bengals may have signed people in free agency, because next week, around this time next week, we're going to be talking about tampering, opening up. And the Bengals could go out and sign a corner. Maybe they sign Chris Chris Harris. Uh, I don't think they're going to be in on Byron Jones, but maybe they'll sign one of these corners, and then you think, okay, we're going to push corner down, down the road a year or two or a round or four. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Mock Draft Monday. 
Tomorrow we continue our positional review outlook series with cornerback. Joe's going to look at some first round mocks that are out in the world and see who might be targets for the Bengals at 33 in those scenarios. And I'm going to find something else to talk about tomorrow because this is a rough week. Nothing happens this week. Tampering opens up next week. But until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.